People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest hundred percent organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. I am. I cannot tell you guys how much I loved this episode. I was obsessed with this episode. I can't stop thinking about how much fun I had watching it with your dad. Wait, he loved it. He was sold. He immediately got the hype. He was sad when it was over. The next morning when we came downstairs to have coffee and he was like, yeah, I loved hanging out with Scott and Chloe and the whole gig. (laughs) There's something so satisfying about watching Kardashians with your 72-year-old dad who could not pick any one of them out in a lineup and watching his face genuinely light up in the same scenes that ours lit up. Like he, having no prior context, understood why the scene of Chloe, Scott, Chris, and Penelope was so iconic. And that, to me, that is telling. I also always feel like if I ever watch Kardashians with somebody who doesn't know it, isn't caught up, isn't familiar, and they're asking questions, I'm like, I'm like so annoyed to my core. I'm like, how do you not know this? When your dad is asking questions, I'm like beaming with pride. I'm like, let me <laughs> tell you, let me, let me, like, like you're going to love this. I know. And the other thing that happens when you watch Kardashians with someone who really knows nothing from it, at least I have this experience. It's like, I want it to be such a good episode because I want them to get the hype. So for this to be excellent start to finish was just a blessing. This was an amazing episode. It really made me very happy watching it. I mean, they were just firing on all cylinders here. All of the plots are things that we care about. Also, we're going to start out with a Kim and Kylie scene, which what have we been saying for the past few weeks? That is hands down the duo of the moment. I am obsessed with them in a way that I can't explain. Oh, I'm so glad that I just remembered to say this point. When we were watching and like, Granted, we were very high the first time we watched this. And I said to you in the moment, am I just high or is this an accurate realization? And watching a second time not high, I thought the same thing. So I just want to mention it in case anyone else was thinking this. Normally when they have scenes where they're just sitting down on their couches in someone's house, I'm of course aware on some level that they're having this conversation in this way in full glam for the show, like the fact that they're filming a reality show. But oftentimes in my mind, I think like, well, it's not so crazy that Chloe would have just popped over to Kim's or that Kim would have just popped over to Chris's. For some reason, there was something about Kim coming over to Kylie's house to sit on her couch and have a conversation that was so not necessary to be had in person that made me so hyper aware of the fact like, all right, they're filming a reality show, so this conversation needs to be filmed. But you know what made me so happy about having that realization is that I actually prefer the fact that that was a four-film 
conversation rather than they happen to have caught it on camera between Kim and Kylie, because that just proves how much more committed to filming and being a part of the show that Kylie is, because it wasn't necessary for her to be in that scene. That conversation was a complete setup just so that Kim could intro going to London and being a boy mom and being a sports mom. Like there was nothing in that conversation that couldn't have occurred with anybody else other than showing the bond between Kim and Kylie. And so we know for a hundred percent fact that like all that means is that Kylie is so down to film that she's willing to do a scene this unnecessary. Honestly, a great point. And a big takeaway from this scene was in Kim's confessional when she's like, Kylie's my twin flame forever. She's definitely obviously matured so much having babies and growing up, but like, I haven't seen that silly Kylie in a while. She's back to like Tumblr Kylie. You guys know Tumblr Kylie. I'm like, Kim, of course we know Tumblr Kylie, but the fact that you're referencing Tumblr Kylie is what's really bringing me to life right now. I mean, let's not forget though, the person who undoubtedly thought the highest of Tumblr Kylie and thought that she was the coolest thing to ever walk the planet at the time was Kim. I will always, always remember that scene where they're sitting there and Kim is asking Kylie questions about what she should wear and what necklaces she has and what's in and what's out as if she was invited to a meet and greet for Kylie. Yeah, it was a very interesting time because aside from the fact that Kylie was just objectively so cool and so of the moment at that time, it was also when Kim was really you know, learning her new style of being fashionable while being pregnant. It was something that she hadn't really figured out before. And so there was a lot happening in it once. And I totally agree. It did have the vibe of like a, a fan in a way because she was so, I think, wanting to command that same level of like individual style. And at that time, she was struggling with it a little. Yeah. And you can see just the formation of their relationship and the way that they view each other even starting then and specifically the way that Kim views Kylie. One of my favorite moments from this scene is when Kim makes a comment to Kylie about her house being a hoarder house. And Kylie's like, I'm not a hoarder. You just are a minimalist. And Kylie's in her confession, like, yeah, she has one couch and nothing else. Like that is just not my vibe. Her house echoes. I felt so seen in that moment because I feel like you and I get into the, not fight, but you and I have this discussion often where you always say like, it's Kim's house is the ultimate. And I'm like, to me, it's just not. I don't think I say Kim's house is the ultimate in terms of decor, but I do think the ability to have that grand of a house and keep that decor with four kids and granted all of the help in the world is still one of the most impressive things to me. I would never want my house to be that, but I think that it matches Kim so perfectly because I think somebody like Kim could never just have like a really well-designed normal house. Like it had to, it had to be that she lived in a museum. I don't know. It's like, it obviously works for her because if it didn't, she would have changed it by now. It's just as simple as that. There's nothing holding her back from changing it if she wanted to. I personally cannot understand that being appealing, especially when we're comparing it to like a Chris or a Chloe or Kylie Court. Honestly, any of the rest of their houses that to me just feel so much more homey. I would say my ultimate, by the way, isn't Kim's. My ultimate is the Palm Springs house. Yeah. The Palm Springs house is up there. Although I love Chloe's house. Yeah, I do too. I Listen, I'm not kicking any of them out of bed. Okay, so we go to the first real scene, which is Chloe and Chris at Scott's. And they're partially going to check on him to see what the deal is with his back, but also they then get on the conversation of his dating life, which I don't give a shit how intentional and planned this was. This is the exact type of conversation I am here for. 
no, I, I was, I was living. I don't have another word for it. I was fucking living during this scene. So Chris is like, are you dating anyone? He's like, oh my God. Chloe goes, that's so subtle. Chris is like, well, I'm dying to know. It's the question everybody wants to know, which to me, I'm sitting here like, yes, as everybody can, can confirm. Yeah, we, we are all dying to know. And when Chris looks at the camera like that, it makes me feel more seen than I think anything ever has. So Scott's saying that he's been too focused on the kids and himself and Chloe asks if he's ever lonely. And he's like, yeah, all the time. You know, I guess I can't live with only having my kids. I mean, they can't be my only Chloe says, I can. Chris says, I could. Chloe goes, mom, you've never been alone ever. Literally since you've been out of MJ's fucking vagina, you've never been alone. So calm down. I have to tell you guys, when I heard this line for the first time, Julie can attest to this. She was sitting next to me. I fucking lost it. Just because like, I guess I was imagining me saying that to my mom. Like, Imagine saying to your mom, like, <laughs> I don't know. No, you literally, you literally turned to me and you're like, what if I had ever said to my mom, like, since you came out of Bertha's vagina? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what about it. It just sometimes they say shit that catches me off guard and I just lost it from that. By the way, I know there's like a million things we have to get into here and we haven't even really started the scene, but we do need to pause for a second to analyze Chloe saying I can in response to Scott's saying, you know, his life can't just be him and his kids. I know. And you know what? It's like, I believe her. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that her saying I can is necessarily a trauma response. Like, of course, inherently it is. But I I do believe her. Like, I think that kids were the thing that she had wanted most in the entire world. And I think that the idea of as long as she has them, she's okay is 100% the case for her. I guess it's just more of a question of like, does she feel like she could if she had to and that would be fine? Or has she kind of reconciled in her head, not saying I think this is the case by any means, but for her own thought process, like is she kind of reconciling in her head that maybe it just is going to be the case? I think it's probably a combination of both. Yeah. I guess also I would say that I think there's a part of Chloe, while I believe her when she says she wants to date, you know, even we have a few episodes ago where she's talking about wanting the world to know that she's single and she wants to put it out there and that's what she's looking forward to. I fully believe her. I just think there is such a deep layer of fear there, understandably so, that it makes it a lot less scary if you view the alternative option, aka not being with anyone and really just having this life of you and your kids as something that's appealing. Because then it doesn't make, I think if you're her and you're potentially starting to consider the thought process of like, holy shit, this feels so scary. If the alternative to that feels enjoyable, then like, I think it just takes the pressure off if you're her. Yeah, I totally agree. Anyway, so Chris asked him, you know, if you had the opportunity to meet the perfect girl, what does that look like on paper? And he turns to Chloe, he goes, how tall are you? (laughs) And Chris in her confessional says, I think Scott probably has a crush on Chloe. Listen, I have a crush on Chloe. Everyone has a crush on Chloe. The cameramen all have a crush on Chloe. You know, if we could just find somebody who comes close, we know what we're looking for. And Scott says, she's funny. She's kind. She's sweet. She's cute. She's got all the characteristics I want. That's what I'm saying. Obviously, I would never look at Chloe sexually. I make jokes. I just need somebody who doesn't give up on somebody because I've been through a lot of different things. I definitely know I'm not easy and I'm not perfect, but I need somebody that I feel like I get, what's the word? And Chris goes, laid? (laughs) Scott's like, not laid, ew, you horny animal, which we can get into in a second. But I want to go back to him saying, you know, I need somebody who doesn't give up on somebody. And we're just going to skip over the Chloe of it all? 
Well, what I think is really fucking interesting here, honestly, on a more serious note, because obviously we could joke till we're blue in the face about Chloe and Scott and you know that potential in another life. I know we talked about that last week, but truly here, yeah, he's kind of joking about Chloe, but he then says the line about, I need somebody who doesn't give up on somebody. And to me, what's so telling there is like, that's the piece of Chloe that I think he's the most drawn to. One, the way that she's never given up on him and the way she has never given up on the other people in her life, even the people that have wronged her. And that is something that I think he witnessed from Chloe for all of these years and knowing what he's been through and maybe feels like he could go through. He wants somebody that like rides through the shitstorm with you in the way that Chloe does. I'm not saying that she's always handled it in the way that's best for her, but clearly for Scott, he saw something in Chloe that made him feel like I want someone who doesn't abandon their people the way that she doesn't abandon hers. All right, let's get these two together. (laughs) Don't you think that's true though? That like, that's the core of what he's saying? Yeah, a million percent. I don't think he is at all joking when he's saying that his ideal woman would be somebody who is very, very, very similar to Chloe. But then again, like that's, you know, that's part of the frustration with the whole Chloe being continuously wronged by men thing. And she says something at the end of this episode, and I will not jump ahead to it, but in her conversation with Chris that I am dying to dive into. But that's the part of it that makes me feel so upset for her and the experiences that she's had and kind of this inability to figure it out. I don't know what it is, but what Scott describes of her and how she is like kind of in theory, the perfect woman for Scott is like, That is how she would be in any relationship. Like any guy would be the luckiest person on the fucking planet to have Chloe. Like she is definition ride or die. All of the traits that Scott says that he's looking for and that Chloe has, like every guy is looking for that in their girlfriend or their wife. I know. And that's what's so fucked up in that she has given that to every single person. And how have they repaid her? with complete disrespect. And that's why, listen, I we don't need to go back there. Like there's nothing productive that's gonna come from this conversation. And I truly mean it when I say, whatever her journey is, like I support it. I, I honestly do. But I have not stopped thinking if I'm being my most honest about last week, you know, when she says, I don't know if me and Tristan are meant to be, then we'll be meant to be. And I was just like, fuck. Like, I, I, I just know that, your person is, would not do that to you. And it's just so hard to see someone in a way and know that the only way that they will end up with the person they're meant to end up with is if they can view themselves in the way that you view them. And I unfortunately don't think Chloe is there yet to see herself the way that those closest to her <laughs> and like us and other people that just adore her from not even knowing her, see her. I know. And it goes into the whole conversation with dating too, because it's one thing to not date because you're have so much going on. You know, Chloe has a million things and a million people to take care of. And she has made that really clear. And that definitely goes into the lack of dating. It's another thing, you know, when part of it is your own ability to trust and trust in your decisions and trust other people. But there's also a huge aspect of this, which I know we have spoken about before, which is just like mentally, she is still in that not she is still in that place with Tristan, but mentally he still takes up so much of her headspace and so much of her life is with him that I think that even if like all of the other stuff she was kind of able to work through and get past, 
and, and push herself and put herself in a position to be dating, I still think there's a part of her that is not mentally in it because of the hold that Tristan has on her. And I think that she logically knows that this isn't who she wants to be with. It isn't who she should be with, but she can't help the fact that like she hasn't entirely turned off her brain to the connection that they have. Okay, yeah. And also the fact that it is very different to be co-parenting with someone and then actively pursuing other relationships when the person you're co-parenting with isn't actively trying to get back with you. And yes, even if Tristan has to an extent like respected her wishes in that he's not really making an effort and he gets it in this moment, the romantic piece is off the table. She still knows what he wants. She still knows that in one second, if she said, I want to get back with you, he would jump at that. Not to say he'd be faithful and you know the model boyfriend, but he certainly would get right back in. And so it's not a co-parenting situation where both people are equally committed to moving on. You have one person who at the drop of a hat would be so happy to get right back in that situation, even if they are the reason that the situation can't exist in the first place. One thing about Tristan that I want to acknowledge, just because I think it's interesting, and then I want to move on to the Penelope thing because I'm dying to talk about that, but to give Tristan maybe a tiny bit of credit in terms of potential changes or growth, I will say that prior to the most recent time that Chloe and Tristan got together, when they were not together, but Tristan was making it very obvious how badly he wanted her back and how badly he wanted to be together, he made like, I would say, incessant comments to her about it. Like he was constantly hinting at it. He was constantly saying things to almost guilt her into it or make it very, very known how he felt. And, you know, almost, I don't want to say aggressively, but I would say a more aggressive approach. The one thing that I've noticed about Tristan as this season has gone on is that he doesn't hide how he feels about Chloe. He doesn't hide the fact that, you know, he thinks that she is his person. But those comments, I don't find him making as often, if at all. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, I, just to give not, a little bit of credit. No, I was just I was just thinking about it as you were saying. I don't. We haven't. I mean, not to take away the credit that you just gave because I agree with you. I think also though, the the way that they have been connected most recently is in the aftermath of like one of the most tragic times of his life, you know, the sudden death of his mom. And so I just feel like in this time when he's leaning on Chloe so heavily for support and she's so happy to, you know, be the person he's leaning on, that's not what he's going to lead with because that is not the thing that like brings them closer. If anything, when he was doing that, she was repelling it a little. And I think he knows that if he wants to be as close to her from the the perspective of just like that supportive person, that that's, that's not the thing that's going to do it, you know? Yeah, but even the fact that he's able to understand that is like a little bit of growth. Yes, of course. Listen, I don't care. You could be fucking Tristan Thompson. You could be the worst guy in the world. I'm never going to deny someone of showing that they're like evolving. You want that for everyone, obviously. I mean, the thing that we forget, and I'm I'm not making excuses for him at all. I'm just saying the thing we do forget is like, (laughs) he's in his 20s. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I I totally know what you mean. Listen, I'm that that guy is far from fucking perfect. Like there and there's a lot of stuff even in this current era of maybe growing and maybe changing a little where I have a lot of criticisms of him, especially in his role as a parent to not true and Tatum. 
And so I'm not just like doling out compliments here and saying, you know, this is a changed guy. But I do think in terms of the role that he plays in Chloe's life, if he's going to be there, which it seems as though he is, um, and because of co-parenting, he has to, I just think it's important to acknowledge certain areas. Yes, absolutely. And we'll see if we, you know, take back our words as the season progresses. But hey, I'm down to acknowledge what we see and then change our stance if that changes. Absolutely. Okay, so back to Chloe, Chris Scott, and about to be Penelope. Chris says in her confessional, talking about the type of person that Scott needs to date, they have to have a good sense of humor. He's one of the funniest guys I know. He reminds me so much of my son, Rob. And Chris calls Rob in her confessional. And she's like, Rob, what do you think is the perfect girl for Scott? (laughs) And Rob says, I don't know. And then it bleeps out a blank whore. I think it said co-core. Julie thinks it said fuck whore. The jury's still out on that one. Maybe when it actually comes out, there'll be subtitles. What do you guys think? Um, but Chris is like, oh, never mind. Okay, well, I'll talk to you later. And the producer says, not sure we can say fuck whore in Disney. And Chris is like, it's fine. We'll just believe it. <laughs> Again, I really think it's co-core. Julie really thinks it's fuck whore. But <laughs> I was just like, how do we get here? The discussion that we had for like 10, 15 minutes about what the bleep word was, was like hysterical to me because my argument was like, it couldn't have been cocor because they wouldn't have bleeped it. Like fuck is the only word they bleep on Hulu because it's Disney, but the everything else they're allowed to say. And your argument for why it couldn't have been fuck or is because it's just inherently redundant. <laughs> right. Okay, but you have to understand, like I just need you guys to picture that we're watching the episode <laughs> <Forgot> about that, <laughs> and we're like so high, right? Like so fucking high. The food comes. We're like, okay, let's just pause it. We'll go eat at the table. We didn't want to do the thing. We're like, you're trying to eat hummus sitting at the couch. It gets everywhere. We wanted to really appreciate our food and then come back and really appreciate Kardashians. And so my dad was like in and out for up until this part of the episode. And he was now meeting us at the table to eat. So me and Julie are sitting down. We're in like a heated discussion over why it is Coke or fuck. <laughs> After 10 minutes, my dad just goes, what the hell are you guys talking about? (laughs) No, that took me out. um. I just like, I do think it's inherently redundant. And also, think about it. If they say, like, if they say fuck another time and they bleep it, they never say we can't say that. Like, they just bleep it and that's it. (laughs) And that's a terrible argument because it's like, Yes, on its own, they don't say we can't say that, but a, a, the combination of fuck whore would be like, yeah, I don't think we can say that on Disney. I don't know. I mean, sure he's out. It's anybody, your guess is as good as mine. But Chris then tells Scott that she would love to go to a matchmaker for him. And at this point, Penelope comes home, which is just like, already I'm losing it. I can't believe that we're getting this conversation as is. And then a Penelope cameo. No, that was like a gift. And it was so cute. She like comes in holding all her bags and she says, don't worry, I'm going to come back down. Let me just drop this. Like such a fucking adult. The way that Scott was so excited when she walked in was one of my favorite parts of the entire episode. He loves those kids. That's how I am every time I see my dad. Literally. I know. Trust me, I know. (laughs) Anyway, so Chloe says to Penelope, okay, we want to talk to a matchmaker for your dad and we want to know what qualities you think that he should look for in a girl. Penelope goes, older. Chloe says, older than what he's used to. Penelope says, yes. Chloe goes, you know, he was saying late 20s, but I said young 30s is fine. Penelope says, 20s? You're 40. You're not going to date someone 19. Scott goes, I would, but it's not a good look. Okay. Pausing here immediately. I'm like, 
No. First of all, you cannot be dating someone 19. But second of all, you can't be telling your daughter that you would. Like, what? And I can't have your reasoning being that it's not a good look. Like, I stake my reputation on defending you, Scott. Like, I really am. Like, I I am a self-assigned Scott Disick apologist. But I can't defend you when you say things like this because it's disgusting. It's disgusting and indefensible. I just... I don't get it. Like, I truly, truly do not get it. Me either. I think it's gross. Anyway, Chloe goes, you got to get over that because you're not going to find the girl you want. And Scott says, no. Penelope goes, good personality. She can be pretty. Scott goes, oh, I'm allowed to have pretty. And Penelope says, yeah. And someone who goes to the gym because you need to go to the gym also. And they're all discussing like, okay, I think we have enough to go off of to go and try and find someone. And Penelope says, I want him to have a girlfriend. Which is really, really interesting insight because it's always been something we've been curious about. Yeah. I mean, I'm, first of all, I can't get over Penelope in this scene because she's just like such a little lady. Like she got, she just grew up right before our eyes and she is so clear in her understanding of Scott and the situation and wanting to make her dad happy, which I, I just couldn't get over the maturity there. But yeah, it has been such a question since. Courtney got with Travis, how the kids felt about Scott's dating, how they felt about the whole situation. And so I think to see and hear Penelope say, like, I want my dad to have a girlfriend is just such a complete understanding, at least from my point of view of like what the reality is. To me, there were a lot of different interpretations of that comment or like reasons behind why she would feel that way. I think partially it's that she's seen that Scott can do well in companionship and maybe you know, when he's alone, she feels as though he's not on as steady of a path. And like, if it's the right person and someone that leads a, you know, healthy lifestyle, I don't mean healthy, like going to the gym and eating healthy. I mean, like overall healthy lifestyle and has a healthy relationship with their emotions and their mental health that it can be beneficial for Scott. I also think as a side piece to this, you know, naturally because their parents are separated, they spend certain holidays apart. And I think that and maybe this isn't the case, but I just feel like it's possible that Penelope would want to know that when she's not with her dad for certain holidays, that like he's not alone. You know, she knows he doesn't really have much family. And I think that there's something about that as the kid that like makes you feel like you can enjoy your experience more knowing that your parent who's alone isn't actually alone. I think a million percent. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, so Chris says in her confessional, this isn't going to get done without some drastic changes here. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I'm going to get shit done. I'm going to make some calls. I'm going to get some people and we're going to make it happen. To which I say, I fucking love watching you get shit done, Chris. One thing about you, Chris, you're going to get shit done. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. 
Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Okay, we now have a brief moment on Kim Ayers kind of just setting the scene for her soccer mom trip. It's her, Allison, a bunch of their friends on their way to London. And she's saying that, you know, when they were growing up, Allison's dad, as we know, Irving Azoff, managed the Eagles. So they were able to go on tour with the Eagles. And she's saying like, it's so cool. We're able to give our boys similar experiences, which again, nothing overly necessary to note here, but these little anecdotes are so important because it's possible if you don't really know, you can forget just how iconic of an upbringing, not only they had, but the people that they were closest to them had and the experiences that they had even before she was Kim Kardashian, Kim Kardashian, when she was Kim Kardashian, daughter of Kris Jenner and Robert Kardashian, you know? And so I just think sometimes that gets lost in all of this. And I love when she provides us with a little anecdote like that. Me too. And I love seeing the progression of their friendship. Like it is such a beautiful thing for them to have had these experiences as kids and to also like kind of cue us into those experiences, but then also to be able to share those with their sons who are friends and having those same experiences. It really is like a beautiful, like little circle of life. I always think about that for myself. Like I can't imagine that I will feel a greater joy than my kids being best friends with my best friend's kids. Like imagine if our kids are best friends. No, they will be. I mean, they will be, but yeah, duh. But like, that's the, that is the best thing ever. It is so insane to try and envision that. So we go to the next scene now, which is Chloe and Chris kind of doing speed interviews for the different women they're potentially going to set Scott up with. And this whole thing is a doozy. Like, I, I, I was Not just a doozy. I was, no, I was loving this. I could watch an entire show of just this. I wanted to be interviewed. What's wrong with me? It's just like, imagine you sit down and it's Chloe and Chris already. It's just like, holy shit. But then they're interviewing you for Scott. And I'm telling you, there's something wrong with me. Cause like, I, I not only can envision it, but like, this is what I kept saying to you. It's not that I want it. Like, I don't want to date Scott. I just know like it would be the right thing to do. <laughs> I'm dead really, serious. You feel really up to the, up to the challenge. I can't explain it because I know it sounds like I want to date Scott. I actually don't. Like, I think there was a period of time where I really did. I don't feel that way anymore. I just think that like, I should. Like, I think that everything they're describing in terms of looking for in a partner for Scott, I can give him. And that I feel guilty for not giving it to him. Honestly, I do. (laughs) No, I do. Why are you you laughing? Because I know you do. Because like, this is not the first time you said this to me. You said this to me off air. Like, that's how I know she's- I just said this on the podcast on on Monday's episode, Tuesday's episode. Yeah, I just, but also not. Like, you also said this to me just like when we were walking. I feel it really strongly. No, I know you do. And I, I know what it's like to, to feel a pull like that. So I guess I should say I respect your not doing anything about it, even in the face of feeling as though you should. Well, that's my entire life. <laughs> there is nothing that describes me better than that. 
Anyway, so they're talking about, you know, different qualities Scott may want. And they mentioned that being Jewish isn't a huge priority, but it is a plus for him. And so if there happened to be someone great that was Jewish, that would that would be ideal. As you know, they go through a bunch of women and the woman they end up choosing is named Celine. She's Persian Jewish and I don't know, seems to have pretty positive energy. We can get into that more when we dissect their date. Because I actually do have a lot to say about like what Scott would hypothetically be looking for like that. Chloe says in her confessional, when I'm ready to date, I don't think I'd be mad if my sisters did this for me because they would probably be better at picking than maybe I would. I don't know. I don't trust my own picking most of the time. Clearly. God, if you could get all four of them to do this for me, that is like, wow. Those boys, if they make it through the first 10 minutes, they should just go on a date with me just for the torture of having to go through talking to all four of them. I'm like, okay, first of all, I think that is like many men's dream. And second of all, talk about a show that I would forget about watch that would become my entire personality. Could you imagine Chris, Courtney, Kylie, Kendall, Kim, and honestly throw Robin Scott in there interviewing potential suitors for Chloe? No, that's my dream. That's if my I'm Bob Iger, dream. I'm like on this, I'm on this yesterday. Yeah. So true. I mean, that is, and if I'm being my most honest, we don't need all of them there. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Just give me Give me the OGs. And I, yes, I would love Kylie there, but honestly, Chris, Kim, and Courtney would fuck shit up. You know what? I'm sorry, Sumi. It should be Chris, Kim, Courtney, and Scott has to be there. Yeah. And Kylie can do a pop-in. There is not one single event where I would not want Kylie to give at least a pop-in. One thing I forgot to mention from this that I found to be interesting just in terms of a piece of information we got is when one of the women asks if Scott's willing to have more children and they say that he is and that they've asked him that question which I don't know, I, that just hadn't really been a point of conversation. It hadn't been a point of conversation, but I did kind of assume that to be the case. That he would be down? Yeah. Yeah, I, didn't, I never thought that he would be opposed if he met someone, he fell in love with them and they really wanted to have you know, one or two kids. I don't think that it's something that, I, I think Scott really enjoys being a dad. He does. And I also think like, you know, really calling it out as it is here at the age of the women that Scott is dating, he is dating right now women who don't have kids yet, who are very young and would presumably want them. So I always kind of assumed, even if Scott was in these relationships with women who are younger for the purpose of not having to be too attached while being in a real relationship and being in a long-term relationship because that kind of gave him the best of both worlds. I always assumed that he went into it with the knowledge of like, okay, if this really is it, and even though she's younger, like I would be willing to have kids with with her because just logistically. I don't know. That was always the thought process I had. Right. Like hypothetically, if he didn't fumble the bag so hard with Sophia and they ended up together and she wanted kids, obviously he would be down. Yeah. Worst bag fumble in history, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, for her sake, best thing ever. And I say this adoring Scott, but God, I bet he is regretting that. I think about it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how can you not? So Mother's Day is coming up. And I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because Realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her, but I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, and it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like 
that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over-the-counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid-free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Okay, so we're now back in London with Kim and Allison and the rest of the moms and kids. And they're in the car on the way to the game. Kim's kind of giving all the moms a rundown of what players are going to come, this and that. And they're saying, you know, there could be cute guys for you, Kim. And she's like, I have age limits, you guys. And Allison goes, yeah, you're like, after my last experience, I have age limits. She goes, I need just a little bit more age appropriate. I need like 40s. And in her confessional, Kim says, Listen, when you're single and all of your friends are married, it's like you have desperation written on your face and everyone under the sun wants to hook you up with someone. I'm genuinely just okay being by myself for a minute and the right situation will come my way. Here's the thing. I'm not saying that that's not the case and that if you have a friend group where most people are married and you are this eligible bachelorette, like they want to set you up, but it's also because you're fucking Kim Kardashian. Like (laughs) <laughs> they they know how deserving you are of companionship if that's the thing that you have made so clear that you crave. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Also, by the way, like the way that I feel about her friends wanting to set her up is like, I can't think of a more fun activity, especially if you actually get to be like boots on the ground involved in it. It's kind of like when you go shopping with your friend who looks good at everything and you like don't want to spend money, but you can like kind of get the fix of of shopping by being like, you should get this, you should get this, you should get this. Like that's yes. how I feel with him. It's like, if I'm married, the world's her fucking oyster. Like I can look at every single guy in Hollywood, in business, in, uh, in finance, in everything and be like, wow, any single one of these guys is on the table for you. Right. And by the way, let's say you're married and you have the celebrity crush that like is totally a fantasy and you'd love Kim to go for it because why not? It's not just that you may have the potential to get in touch with the right people who could then set her up. You could just take her phone and DM the person. It's such a crazy concept. The whole thing is such a crazy concept. Anyway, the important note here is that Allison asked about the Met Gala 
And Kim's like, like, I wouldn't go, but I'm also really petty like that. Like how that thing came out that was like, none of the Kardashians are invited. It was a big story. It just came out and everyone was like, oh my God, is this true? Are you really not invited? So that's something about me. Like, oh, I just want to show up. I mean, it's just like a thing because I was never invited for so long. I was Kanye's plus one. And her friend says, and now you're your own plus one. She goes, I am bringing someone with me. And in her confessional, that's when she's saying that she had this idea to bring Karl Lagerfeld's cat, Choupette, which as we know, did not end up accompanying her. But interesting comment there because first of all, one of the first things we said when that headline came out is like, there's just no way that that's true. But second of all, that is exactly the thought process I would imagine Kim to have. Kind of like a, I didn't need to go, but now I'm going to go because fuck you. You know, we we get a lot of information in this episode delivered to us in this way in terms of kind of just comments made. In this scene alone, we get her acknowledging the Met Gala rumor and her acknowledging the fact that the reason that she's going, even if she didn't fully intend to, is to prove that rumor to be incorrect, which makes perfect sense. We also, which you and I kind of just skipped past, is the acknowledgement of the way that Pete's age played into their relationship and like the negative effects that that potentially had. When Kim's like, yeah, I'm looking for somebody a little bit older going forward. Allison's like, yeah, you're like after my last relationship, like I I have to go older, which is so interesting because we get so little about what happened with Pete in the aftermath of that. But also partially, and you and I have had this conversation, she had a moment there where she thought or she said that she would potentially be down to have more kids. And she then retracted that. And I said to you, I don't think she actually would. I think that dating a younger guy that would maybe want that, she's leaning in because she thinks she would be down. But I don't think if push came to shove that she would be. And again, doesn't mean just because the guy's younger that he's going to want to have kids. There are many younger guys that don't want to have kids or are fine not. And there are older guys that do. I mean, the age is not really a factor that much there, but I, I do think that that's worth mentioning. Yeah, definitely. I didn't view this as an attack on Pete by any means. It is factually true that there is a huge difference dating a guy in their 20s and dating a guy in their 40s. I mean, it just it just is. I feel that way even guys in their 20s versus guys in their 30s. You know what I always say. Yeah. Guys in their 30s are, yeah, it's just there's a complete difference in terms of the way that men and women mature. And it is so obvious when it comes to dating and it is so obvious when it comes to men in their 20s. Yeah. And I think that Kim just like has no interest in experiencing immaturity or potential immaturity in her relationship. I just like don't think that's something that she feels she has time for. And I completely get that. If I were her, honestly, if I wasn't her as myself, I don't want that. Uh, who who does? But I do yeah. think that Kim needed that. Like, I think that the relationship that Kim and Pete had was so necessary for her in the post-Kanye era. And I think that she would 100% say that as well. And so I think that what it is, is like zero regrets in terms of that. But going forward, I now know. Yes, aligned. Okay, so they're at the game. Saint's upset because Kim forgot the jersey. And he's like, oh, this is the worst day of my life, which... <laughs> I'm sorry. If I'm Kim, I'm like, boy, I know you did not just say that. I know. I I was like, I know you didn't just say that. <laughs> it's like so funny. You forget that at this age, like they just don't have that perspective of understanding how fucking cool this is in the scheme of life. No, they don't. I mean, and also they don't have the perspective of understanding really what is the norm for other kids? Like this is, this is his norm. Like, I understand you watch that and you're like, oh my God, like get a grip. But like, 
the the reality of the situation is that it's hard to explain to a seven year old boy who's used to this his entire life why he doesn't really have a right to be upset about something that he's upset about. This was so interesting. In her confessional, Kim says, it's really hard for me to be really strict and discipline a lot. My parents weren't strict at all. And sometimes because I'm really busy, it would be amazing if I had a partner that would come in and tap me out and take over and handle it. But it can't happen like that. I do think that my household and our family is a very female dominated one. And I recently hired a male nanny. I really wanted a male around that was going to be picking him up and taking them to sports. And I was scared out of my mind to tell her dad that. When he was dropping off the kids, Connie introduced himself, played two-on-two with Satan him, has been so nice to him and saying, hey, if you're going to help raise my son, because he hands it in the ball really easily or something, don't do that. Make him go get it himself. These are some of the rules that I would want. And I was like, oh my God, okay, that's great. Absolutely fucking fascinating. Fascinating. I was dying from this. There are a million things in this one paragraph that we could get into. You know, it's so interesting. Like, it's so interesting for Kim to hire a male nanny. It's so interesting how she described the fear that she had in terms of explaining that to Kanye. It's so interesting that, like, you know, that gave us a glimpse into the dynamic between her and Kanye. It's not like she said, and then I went to Kanye and I said, I'd like to hire this person as a nanny. It's like, I hired this person and then I had to see how Kanye was going to react to it. But the element of this that I think that I've forgotten about or haven't really given much thought to is the fact that these nannies have to interact with Kanye. Like they don't get the option to not spend time with him or be in his presence or, and to me, you know, something that a couple of years ago would have kind of been a cool thought is like a really scary thought to me. Oh, a thousand percent, especially because it's not like Kim is saying to this guy, listen, I know you may think it's a little weird, but don't worry, he's going to be totally cool. She had no idea how Kanye was going to react. And I'm sure she communicated that to the the guy, you know, it's not like he's walking into a situation where he is completely sure of the reaction the father of the kids that he's babysitting is is going to give him. Like I, you have to, to me, there's, I mean, there's so much here because obviously the fact that she felt that it would be beneficial for her kids to have that male presence for herself as well, of course, but also for the kids is like just very interesting. But on top of that, you know, not to put too much weight into this person, obviously we don't know him, but clearly she must view him pretty highly to one, put him in this role, but second of all, feel as though he's capable of handling the Kanye of it all. Yeah, absolutely. It's fucking fascinating. I was dying also that that's what Kanye said to him. Like I, I wasn't expecting it to go down like that. I, I did not think he would have a positive reaction. Also, I couldn't believe she was telling us that. I know, I'm telling you, we got a lot of like snippets of information here that were like so valuable throughout this episode. No, it was a really good one because it was entertaining and also insightful, which is the exact combo that you want here. Anyway, so the scene kind of ends with Kim and her confessional just saying that, yes, she has a million things going on, but it's really important to her to make sure that she has quality time with each of her kids and that she's doing things or taking them on trips that align with their interests. And like, what I wanted to say in response to that is, I mean, aside from the fact that like, obviously how great that she has the resources and connections to be able to do it. But also what I think is so cool is the way that she includes her friends and their kids in that. Because that to me is really special and not something that she has to do, but she so clearly wants to do it. And I just think that generosity in that way, and I don't even mean financial, like it's not any one of these people that she's friends with could afford whatever it is to afford, but there's a certain connection that being Kim Kardashian gets you and honestly being Alison Satter as well. But like, 
I don't know. I can just really appreciate that in a person that wants to share what they have with the people closest to them, even if it's not directly financial. Oh, me too. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the best. There is nothing better than that. Like there is nothing better than to be able to have it and also just completely give it. Yeah. So that's like the point of life, you know? Yeah. So next scene, we have Chris and Scott at Scott's house. He had gone on the date with Celine and they, they want to debrief. So part of this scene is that we get flashbacks from his date. And there is so much here like to analyze. Okay. I, let, let's just get right into it before I start to analyze before we even talk about it. But yeah, I have a lot to say. Well, I mean, the biggest takeaway is that he picked up the most on her being so happy and positive and optimistic. And I think he felt as though like that positive energy was contagious in a way that he found to be very beneficial for him because it's possible, as Chris says in her confessional, that he can kind of go in the opposite direction. And so having someone that is generally cheerful is only positive to him. Well, what was so interesting is two things about this. One, when he says, yeah, I probably opened up to her and we talked about more things on this date than I did in any of the relationships that I was in or in a lot of the relationships I was in where I was like, Scott, like, come on, you are better than this. Like, you are better than being in a relationship where you're not opening up and talking. Like, you know, you know your own needs. But also, you know, when he got back from the date and he was recapping with Chris, based on a lot of things about Scott, I was expecting him to have this like very cynical and shallow review. And for his takeaway to be like, she's so cheerful and she has such a great energy about life. It's just would be really hard for me to date somebody who has only had positive experiences and hasn't really experienced the negative things that life has and hasn't really experienced the same, you know, not to the same extent, obviously, of what Scott has been through, but something where he can feel that he is related to. I thought that was such an interesting perspective for him because yeah, that is really important. Like he needs to be in a relationship with somebody where he feels like they can understand when things get a little dark for him, what that is like, or at least empathize with it completely. Oh, totally. I mean, when the flashes back to the date and she's saying that she lives with her parents and he's like, yeah, you know, I unfortunately lost both of my parents young. And he's like, it's crazy because at the time I couldn't wait to move out of their house. But he's like, if I had any idea that I would have lost them young, I would have lived with them. And, you know, until I was a fucking grandfather. Oh, that like hit me. That broke me. I know. There's just, I, I really do believe one of the most valuable things you can internalize in life is appreciating anyone, but specifically appreciating your parents while they're here. Oh my God. Yeah. You'll only be happy that you, that you took the time to do that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, first of all, like, I know this whole thing was a setup for like for a TV show, obviously, but at the very least, like this girl wasn't an actress, right? Like they were having what would be considered a date on some level. And so what you got to see a little bit was the way that Scott would maybe be on a date to some degree. I recognize there's cameras as a whole thing, but like he's, um, what's the, I'm trying to think of the word that I want to use. Like, I think he's very willing to have his mind be blown. Interesting. Because of a lot of his previous relationships and how it felt like he had this pattern. To me, it seemed like he 
was specifically seeking out someone that did not challenge him in any way. And I think on some level, he certainly was. But I think that if he was in a situation where he was set up with someone or he met someone out that did really challenge him and bring something out of him that he maybe hadn't been confronting himself, I don't think he would necessarily turn away. I don't think he's going to be the one to seek it out because I think there's a laziness there. But if it's brought to him, again, by a setup or some other way, I'm learning that he's more willing to engage in a dynamic that maybe isn't as much of this like one-sided power dynamic as I initially had thought. I agree. I think you're right. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be. Meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. Okay, so we're back in London for a second. Part of this is that Kim and Allison are taking the boys on a million different activities to kind of tire them out. And we're really seeing Kim in full mom mode. And we then see her at this pub in London, which if you guys remember at the time, there were photos of that that went viral. It wasn't even like paparazzi photos. It was someone from in the bar that just posted a photo of her drinking a beer. And we were like, wait, what is going on here? I love the behind the scenes of that. Like the second it was like the voiceover on the outside of the bar and it was like, and you know, it's mom's night out. I was like, 
it's so funny that I'm so excited to get such a nothing scene of them at the bar, but I'm only excited because the photos of them being there went so viral. Like I just love the behind the scenes of any big moment that they have, even if the big moment is so relatively tiny. This is a little bit her and Pete at Thrifty getting dibs coded in that the simplicity of this was fucking invigorating for her. Yeah. To your average person walking into a pub and ordering a beer is like a Tuesday, I guess, if you're somebody that goes to pubs and drinks beer. But like for Kim, <laughs> this is this is an event. In what world is she in all denim in a random bar in London? I mean, by the way, we were just with her in the in the season premiere where she's in Cabo in the car drinking a beer for the very first time. Now we have her in London walking into a pub ordering one. Like that's a that's a that's a big that's a lot. Kylie would be so proud. Yeah, that's how I want to live my life in a way that makes Kylie proud too. Also, POV, you're the other patrons of the bar. I mean, what a night. Well, we've always said that. I mean, that is really something. Yeah. Who do we see recently? On the, oh, Tracy Morgan in the Tracy car. <laughs> We're on the George Washington Bridge and we look to our right, red Ferrari, Tracy Morgan, window down. I'm like, Tracy, what the fuck are you doing here? We could spot a celeb anywhere and we do. SJP and Matthew Broderick hailing a cab, what, yep. three nights ago? Yep. That felt like a very New York moment. Yeah, I see her everywhere. I was going to say, you're just, you're just in Cinderella with her with the rosemary crackers. Yep. <laughs> anyway, we now have Chris and Chloe and they're sitting in the backyard. <laughs> this is like so nothing in the scheme of things, but Chloe comes outside peeling an orange and it's a small one. And Chris says, you think they're on Ozempic? Which like for some reason, something about her saying it felt like forbidden. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> it was kind of like, her making a joke about Ozempic as if she's only heard it from references made online was like absolutely killing me because like, I know the call's coming from inside that. Yeah, I love it. I was obsessed with that though. I was obsessed <laughs> yeah. with that. Me too. Anyway, so Chris says in her confessional, you know, I think everything going on with Scott went really well. And I've been thinking a lot about him and his happiness. And it also made me think a little bit about Chloe and where her head's at and where her life is going. And so she says to Chloe, speaking of dating, what about you and your dating life? She's like, I don't have a dating life. I'm not dating anyone. And Chris says, I know, but you and Tristan do spend a lot of quality parenting, co-parenting time together. What happens if he moves on and you haven't moved on? How are you going to feel about that? And she's like, I don't know how I'm going to feel until it happens, but I want him to move on. And I'm sure it'll sting a little just as it stung when Lamar moved on with the first person you know, following our divorce. And in her confessional, Chris says, I really worry for Chloe that if Tristan does meet somebody one day and does move on, is she going to regret not getting back with him fully? And Chris then says to Chloe, I see how he looks at you. I see the effort that he puts into you and the kids. Already at this point, I'm like, where are you going with this? But Chloe responds, Tristan's a great guy. If you don't think it infuriates me that I basically help mold this person to who he is now, and now the greatness of him gets to be shared with someone else, yeah, that's very frustrating for me. But that's no reason for me to settle for someone who didn't feel this way about me. Everyone was thinking about themselves, everyone. From all the girls, they were thinking about themselves to Tristan every time this happened. No one ever thought about me. And so what I'm doing right now is I'm thinking about me. It's frustrating that almost my entire life of men, they all have to realize how great I am after they've showed me how terrible they can be when I knew how great they were to begin with. So why can't someone see how great I am to begin with? Why don't you ask Tristan some of these questions? Like how would he feel if I was, well, I already know how he would feel. He wouldn't be happy. Okay. 
immediate pause there to acknowledge that fucking stellar monologue she just delivered. Uh, we looked at each other jaw dropped when she was saying that. I mean, we were like, fuck yes. Like, fuck yes. How good it felt for her to be able to say that with her whole chest. And she is so fucking right. That is what we have been saying this whole time. When she was saying that it's so frustrating for them to realize how great she is after they've showed her how terrible they can be. She hit it. She hit it. And I felt so satisfied for her. She was saying this and specifically saying this to Chris. Cause it's like, you know how I feel about Chris. I fucking adore her. But when it comes to this particular subject matter, specifically with Chloe, I just find myself getting so frustrated. Cause like I, as much as I know how highly she views Chloe and how impeccable of a woman and partner she views her to be, I still feel, and I said this to you last week, that at the end of the day, in this moment, she would rather Chloe be with Tristan than Chloe be alone. And I just don't feel like that is the type of energy that Chloe needs. The way that Chris is in regards to this whole situation, not just in this scene, but truly exemplified by this scene, is one of those things that I actually have to ignore a little bit in order to like continue to feel about Chris Jenner the way that I do, because I so wholeheartedly respect her as a mom and as a just powerhouse that to hear her talk about the situation like this is like, it's really deeply upsetting to me. And I also have to consciously remind myself of like, just because Kris Jenner is this like very modern woman who has built this empire and is so ingrained in business and feels so current that there is still an aspect of her that shows the difference in like terms of like feminism and patriarchy and getting married and the role of a husband that like is so ingrained in her from the way that she was brought up in a different time. And I have to keep that in mind when thinking about this. Otherwise, it's like, it'll make you go crazy because she's so not the Kris Jenner we know her to be when it comes to this situation. I know, I know. When she makes that comment where she says, yeah, and I I just wonder how Chloe will feel if she doesn't give it another shot with Tristan and get back with him in a completely monogamous way after struggling to say the word monogamous. And it's like, why are you... Why are you explaining this situation? Like, if I didn't know what happened, I would think that either Chloe is the one that cheated on Tristan or they both were unfaithful to each other and, like, now they want to give it another shot where they both can be faithful. Like, how is it on Chloe to get back together fully with somebody in a monogamous way where she was the one who was entirely monogamous? It wasn't, like, it was an open relationship and now they're giving it a shot for it not to be. Like, what the fuck? It was a one-sided open relationship is what it was. Yeah, you're right. If you were watching this scene with zero context, you knew nothing about the history, the conclusion that you would come to in terms of what transpired is not at all what actually transpired. And it's like, even if Chris does have that thought that Chloe could potentially feel like if Tristan moves on, that she's then regretting not getting back with him. I wish Chris would say, you know, I sometimes wonder if Tristan were to move on, would Chloe feel this way? But I will be there to remind her. (laughs) Like that is not what she deserves. And she deserves someone who respected her from the jump. And, you know, she may have a moment of weakness because we know how badly she wants companionship. And in certain ways, the seamless nature of 
the dynamic with Tristan from a co-parenting perspective, but me and the rest of her sisters will make sure that she is consistently reminded what she deserves and that it is not someone who has ever treated her like this. Like that's what I need her to follow that up with if she genuinely is concerned that Chloe would feel that way. Because if she's not, then that's not Chloe's concern that you're talking about. That's your concern that you're projecting. Yup. 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 I mean, this got kind of intense because then- you know, they're talking about how Tristan would be if the roles were reversed. And Chris says, yeah, he would be devastated. I promise. Chloe says, thanks. Chris is like, well, he would. And Chloe says, yeah, I know. But if you're going to be devastated, then why'd you do what you did? And Chris starts to talk and Chloe says, what was the mindset when you cheated? Chris says, you're asking me? She's like, yeah, who the fuck else am I talking to? Of course, we then get hit with the black screen white writing to be continued. But God, that was a zinger. I mean, and that's what we've kind of been wondering where we have spoken about the potential for the way that Chris treats the men in the family and also specifically to Tristan in terms of her forgiveness and the way that her own history with cheating potentially plays into that. But it hadn't really been something that was discussed by them or by Chloe at all. And so to hear that get brought up is like, yeah, we we have been wondering that. Like, And I don't need to know what Chris's specific mindset was when she cheated. It was a very long time ago and she has spoken very honestly about that relationship. But I do think that it's important for Chloe to ask her about that in terms of understanding the way that it plays into Chris viewing her relationship today. Yes, a thousand percent. I mean, there's so much here. Truly, Julie, for the rest of my life, I can never get sick of talking about this family. I swear we're never going to. I can't imagine the day. Okay, guys, I think that's it. I'm sure there are some things we missed because honestly, this entire episode is worthy of discussion, but I think we hit most of the key points. And I think that's it. We love you guys. Thank you for listening and for letting us do this. 